Welcome to brand new podcast. I am here with Stan Scott, former candidate for Virginia State Senate. Um, very, very good to have you on. Uh, Matt cannot join us because I think he's hanging out with some Hokies right now or he's on vacation. We don't know where Matt is, but um, great to have you on, Stan. Well, uh, Matt, uh, Mike, it's really, really nice to be on. It's a privilege and an honor. I really appreciate you guys inviting me. Too bad Matt couldn't couldn't make it. Maybe uh, when you know in a few months we can we can do this again with him on and and chat oh, a little yeah. bit. Cause, so, but, but I, you know, I'm I'm really happy to be on. Just good to see you. Yeah, very good to see you. Um, a lot I want to talk to you about. Um, first, introduce yourself, uh, kind of to our listeners. Um, they may be familiar with your name when you ran for state senate, but refresh them a little bit. Sure. Um, well, I'm Stan Scott. I ran for the state Senate in the 4th District last year against Ryan McDougal. Uh, a somewhat chaotic expertise in some sense because the district is very conservative and, uh, and, and kind of a tough nut to crack for a Democrat. But in my view, this was about party building. It was about making sure that the Democratic Party message got to some folks that don't normally get to hear it. And I also think, you know, it had been 12 years, I think, since uh, Mr. McDougall had an opponent. And I think it, our democracy uh, is more vital, sort of vibrant when we have these discussions more often. So I felt like it was a thing to do. Uh, uh, just a little more, I'm, I'm retired Army. I spent 20 years riding around on tanks. I retired in 2002, and now I do some management consulting and uh, mostly for defense contractors, you know, military, uh, military-based operation type stuff. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, speaking of awesome, uh, I guess, I don't know, what's his slogan? Awesome rhymes with Cossum. Someone tried to make that work. It didn't quite rhyme, but um, it looks like you wound up helping Cossum Rashid develop uh, his plan, especially for veterans. So what are some elements of that plan? Or Cossum? Oh, that's correct. I, I met Cossum last, I'm sorry, didn't mean to speak over you. Um, I met Cossum last year when he ran in the 28th. Uh, adjacent districts, so we met at several forums. After all that was over, when he decided to run, he asked me to help him uh, work on some policy stuff. Uh, I also started a Veterans for Cossum Outreach Committee to make sure veterans get to hear from Cossum, but also that Cossum hears from veterans about what their needs are. Uh, so we've been working on this, the, the committee and some other folks I know who are veterans have been working on this plan. And really the core of it is uh, sort of to bring Cossum's compassion through action concept into a compassion for veterans plan and try to think about what a 21st century service members readjustment act would look like. And if you remember that the 1946 version helped create the middle class, uh, got a lot of veterans into college, homeownership, those th kinds of things. So we're trying to figure out a way to, to make that work. And we, we came up with some, a lot of good ideas about the veterans administration that I'd be happy to lay out in more detail if you like. Sure. Yeah. No. Um. Go. Go ahead. I'm. I think both parties can agree on that. You know, those who make the ultimate sacrifice for our country deserve the very best. And unfortunately, when it comes to healthcare or maybe you know some VA locations aren't up to up to snuff. Um. It definitely. I think it gets both parties angry because our vets deserve better. So, what are some details in that plan? How can well, our compassion be extended towards our veterans? Well, the 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 key component. I think is with respect to specific veterans, 
is the, the concept of a severance package for veterans. You know, if you're, if you do four years in the military, you come out, uh, immediately there are several things that you need to do and it can be very stressful. Uh, you have to look for a new place to live because you're not authorized military housing anymore. You might have to think about what your health care is going to look like because you have VA benefits, but you have to apply for them. They can be hard to get. And, and, but you, you immediately have a need for new health care providers. You're probably starting on an education, especially if you're younger. I was older when I retired. I did my education as I was retiring. But, the, you know, the younger folks need help coming out. So uh, a, a simple severance package with sort of a, 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 a payment, a lump sum payment as they get out, uh, a housing allowance, right, for the first year after they come out, you know, after they transition from military life, uh, and then maybe bonuses if you did combat tours or if you had a Purple Heart, you know, a small bonus. And then TRICARE, you know, I'm, I'm retired, so I'm on TRICARE, which is a very good health insurance plan. And the idea is to make sure is to give everyone who transitions out of the military a year of health insurance on TRICARE so they're covered for that first year while they enroll in the VA benefits, while they look for a job that might have health care benefits, uh, you know, things like that. Folks who don't, who, folks who aren't wounded, folks who aren't, don't have a disability, they don't have clear medical issues that are connected with military service, they're eligible for VA health care, but it's kind of at a minimal level. So we want to make sure they're taken care of and protected. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of, once again, Republicans and Democrats think you come together on this issue. I must ask you um, your perspective um, when it comes to this. I think a lot of people, maybe even some of our listeners may assume that people, you know, in the military kind of skew more conservative. Um, how is it being uh, a member, the former member of the military and being a a Democrat? Are those uh, mutually exclusive or is it possible to be? Well, there, there's kind of a funny story about that, actually, from last year when I ran. Um, and I, and I'm, you know, before we, we finish, I'd like, I'd like to chat with you a little bit about, you know, the, the sort of intramural warfare that's going on inside the Republican Party. Yeah. I'm really curious about your thoughts on some of that stuff. But sure. last year, you know, I'm, I'm well known in the Hanover Democratic Committee as the guy that goes to Tea Party meetings, right? So I've been attending Tea Party meetings, especially Mechanicsville Tea Party, uh, you know, for some time now. And my, my logic, the logic behind doing that is I want to know what they're saying. I want to know who these people are. I want to know what kinds of things they're talking about, you know, in, in an effort to try to find some common ground, you know, where can we agree on things? So when I ran last year, uh, I spoke to Bob Shannon, who's now the head of the King William Tea Party, and they invited me to speak. And they, they used to do, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to do an open mic night. And they would invite elected officials, candidates, people to come and speak to their group. And it's a pretty robust group. It's, it's, you know, there's a dozen people there that are there every time. And so I agreed to go. So I, I, I sit through the meeting. I've been to several. I sit through the meeting. And Bob says, okay, this is Stan Scott. He's running for you know, against Ryan McDougal, blah, blah, blah. I get up there. And they had, there's a, uh, an older guy, he's a veteran, and I think they call him Sarge. He's a really small guy, but I wouldn't want to tussle with him. Okay. Right? He's that, you know that guy. You've you met that oh, guy yeah. before, right? And, uh, but he's a really nice guy, and he's their videographer. So he sets up this camera, and then he comes up, and he, he's kind of looking up at me, and he says, so you volunteered to defend the, the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, 
So how can you be part of the party of, I think he said, invasion, abortion, and something else? Okay. And, and, and I'm, I said, well, right, we're going right to the hard questions here, right? Which is the one you just asked. It's how I could be, a, you know, a Democrat after serving in the military. Yeah. And, you know, I learned a lot in the military. This used to be part of my stump speech, but I, used, I learned a lot about these kinds of, you know, about a lot of issues. You know, I learned about, you know, race relations. I learned about diversity and how important it is to have different elements on a team and to get a lot of different perspectives. You know, I learned a lot about healthcare because if you're, if you're on a battlefield, you have to be healthy. You have to have stamina, stamina, you know, you have to be well-fed, you know, all these things have to be true. I learned about education because you have to be well-trained to succeed on the battlefield. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I learned about guns. I learned a lot about firearms, of course, and how, you know, you have to keep them secured. You have to be well-trained in, in safety and how to use them properly and which weapon is, is the right one for which, for a, for a particular task. So all of the things I learned in the military with respect to all those issues sends me to the Democratic Party because it's not a one-issue party, right? The, 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 the Democrats that I know and work hard to, to support, uh, the, the, it, it's about understanding what the, you know, the universe we live in. It's about talking to people. It's about getting from different perspectives and forming a policy that will work uh, as best it can. There's no perfect policy. So, uh, you know, that's the best explanation I can think of. I'm a patriot. I signed up to defend the Constitution, and I still plan to do that. I have not stopped doing that, and that's why I ran for office last year. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely, we are at such a crossroads where I think, you know, people on the left do it, people on the right do it. We paint each other in boxes. Right. And I, I appreciate you at least sharing that perspective that just because you're in the military doesn't mean you watch Fox News that you're, you know, you know, uh, total red Republican. Like there's there's different there's nuances to people and that's OK. Um, and I think especially especially after uh, the debate, both sides could agree. I think it's time to really, really get to know each other and talk to each other as Americans, because that's what it could look like. Um you said you had a question for me regarding kind of the, the future of the Republican Party, the kind of infighting that you wanted to ask. Well, it's, you know, it's one reason I was kind of hoping Matt would be able to be on because yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's written recently about some of these things. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm sure you're aware of you're aware of the Bull Elephant website. Yes. Um, not sure if you're aware of Virginia Wright. Uh, it's another conservative website. Uh, it's not as active now as it has been in past years. Uh, but so, I, so tr in an effort to try to understand where Republicans are coming from, uh, I read a lot of Bering Drift. I read a lot of Bull Elephant. I read, read a lot of Virginia Wright. And, and, I, and I watched your podcast with, uh, you know, talking about Den Denver Riggleman. Yeah. Excuse me. And talking about how that played out with respect to you know, using a convention as opposed to a primary. And I, I'm just kind of curious about where you think that's going, because it looks like there's a wing of the Republican Party that is in is making a strong effort to take over the institutional Republican Party in Virginia through the convention process. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, at, at, you know, we're we're bearing drift. They are, as I like to call them, 
bullshit elephant. I think there's the the divide is really between Republicans and you know to flip a term that they use quite often, rhinos. These people right. sign up, uh, call themselves Republicans, call themselves conservatives. By if we look at Bob Good, um, they think that a Republican, the Republican Party is a place that might welcome their bigotry. They think the Republican Party is a place that in the face of waging a war against PC culture, that their ignorant views are tolerated. And instead of real conservative thought, ideology, um, patriotism at all, they think that ignorant thought and Twitter bile is, is policy. And whatever inflammatory thing that they write, or put out, or tweet, or whatever inflammatory candidate they run for office, be it Bob Good, or um, the lady down in Georgia, Marjorie yeah, Taylor right. Green, I believe, who was a member I think of- that's right, yeah. Yeah, these aren't real Republicans. And I unfortunately feel, I don't think it's a Republican issue as much as I think it's a societal issue. Yes, there is a conservative civil war, but I would argue as well, Democrats, have some similar things on their side. I think there is an element that confuses, like I said, whoever is the louder voice in the room for, oh, th they must be a winner. They must be winning. Uh, that must be the dominant view. If we add up that view, whether it's, it's those, the, the people that say hateful things in the name of the Republican Party or the people that subvert and flat out commit voter fraud in the case of Denver, because I'll tell you that wasn't a fair convention. Um, right. Those people are really 28% of the party, but it's a loud, angry 20%. I mean, look, Stan, I'm, I'm sure you know, hardworking Republicans and Democrats all over the Commonwealth and the country, we have, we have to go to work. We don't have time to go to a convention on a weekend if that's the only time we can spend with family or our children. We just don't have that kind of time. I'm, I'm so, but, but those people, who don't work, who make fun of, uh, you know, maybe people on welfare, but they sure as hell aren't working. Those people will show up to every single little meeting, every single little convention and try and spin things their way. So it's really not as much the Republican Party as a whole in Virginia. I believe, um, you know, I've sat down here. Rich Anderson is a fan of uh, Baron Drift, he's a, a personal friend of mine. We've had conversations. He is all for uniting the party and kind of moving it forward uh, right. past this chapter. Um, but once again, I think the average Republican, just like you met in the Tea Party room, you, you know, there's good Virginians everywhere. You know, there's good Republicans, right. there's good Democrats, but there is a loud, whether it is, you know, coming from bull elephant or it is coming from maybe these louder elements on Twitter that pervert the Republican Party, pervert Christianity to fit their narrative, and people on the left that pervert, you know, maybe the standards of the Democratic Party to say nasty things at Republicans. I think both parties it's up to to kind of, we have to extinguish this fire that's going on because we can't confuse what happens on our phone for real policy or real Right, belief. right. Yeah, I, I think, I think you, you rightly point out that there's, there's a little bit of this flavor on the left you know, the, the way I see it, you know, there, there's a, a group of people in both parties, I think, who think of voting and political activity as nothing but a moral choice, right? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a moral sort of commitment. And, and so if, 
you know, if, if on the left they don't get Bernie Sanders to be the nominee, then they can't bring themselves to vote for a neoliberal or someone who's not far yep. enough to the and left. And then the Bernie bros will complain if Trump gets reelected. Like it's <laughs> right, right. And, it, and the same thing happens on the right where, yep. you know, well, I can't, you know, and of course I had a front row seat on this in the 97th last year sure. with the Scott, you know, the Scott Wyatt and Chris Peace thing, you know, just, just a front row seat. And it, it just, it struck me the vitriol that you heard, you know, yep. and, and I, I know Chris Peace not super well, but I do know him. I know Scott Wyatt probably a little better, sure. frankly, uh, because he was on the board of supervisors uh, in Hanover. Uh, but you know, the, 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 I think these guys are doing what they think is right, and so you have to give them credit for that at least, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I don't get my nominee, Joe Biden will make a fine president, right? But he was not my first choice. Okay, and I can, but I can't walk, take my ball and go home just because I didn't get my first choice, right? And I, I think we're living in this age where, like, once again, Stan, Denver agreed with the president. 95% of the time right. was forced by the president, and it didn't matter. There's people that still wanted to undermine him because right. he officiated a gay wedding because, God forbid, you do anything to maybe help real people. So, right. th you know, they're – they didn't care that he was supported by the president. They didn't care that he was a Republican. They had more right. hate for him than maybe a Democratic nominee. Right. Believe it or not. Yep. And, and yep. I think, honestly, like right now, um, we're recording this episode on a day that we found out uh, the president has coronavirus. Right. Our thoughts and prayers should go out to him. Doesn't matter what you think of the man. Our thoughts and prayers should go out to him. And if it was Joe Biden, I'd be saying the same thing. Right. And we are really, really lost as a country if on Twitter or on Instagram, we can't send condolences or well wishes or anybody to an opposing party member or maybe a controversial figure without it blowing back on us. Like, that's an issue. Well, I think, though, you have to, I think, Mike, it's important to remember, though, how we got where we are. Mm -hmm. with respect to Trump being president and the and the sort of a lot of the political activity that, that you get from his base supporters. So, you know, a little bit of schadenfreude that Donald Trump has caught this virus after downplaying it and ignoring, you know, the kinds of things you need to do, you know, giving out bad information to people with respect to hydrochloroquine, just as one example, whether to use masks and those kinds of things. Uh, but more importantly, you know, I go to the grocery store here in Hanover County in Mechanicsville, and it's not unusual to see someone with a T-shirt that says Trump 2020, make the liberals cry again. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you've, you've seen the guy. He's on Twitter and Facebook and all these places all the time. I have no idea who he was or even where he's from, but he's got that shirt that says F your feelings. Yeah. Right. And so. You know, so, you know, so then, you know, liberal, especially a, a real scared liberal, a liberal who's really, no kidding, scared that we're looking down the barrel of true fascism here, mm -hmm. right? Because we're talking about someone who has refused to accept the results of a free and fair election, right? He has said, if, if I lose, it must have been rigged. So, you know, th this is how, you know, this is how fasc fascist talk. Plus the, the Proud Boys thing during the debate, right? The stand by, yeah. stand back, and stand no, by. That was a good moment. You know, I, 
you know, the first, one of the first books I ever read when I was a kid, and I, you know, and this was not because I was a military, you know, wannabe or any of that, but because I've been interested in politics since my stepfather took me a, to a Mississippi County caucus, Republican caucus to vote for Richard Nixon back oh, in 72, wow. right? That was my first touch of politics. Okay. So county caucus in Mississippi where we were trying to just, you know, vote for, you know, nominate Richard Nixon in the Republican Party. Yeah. And so I, the first book I ever read was The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. That's, that's the first grown-up book I ever read, and I was probably 14. And the, and the interesting parts of that book to me weren't the, you know, you know the, the Germans lost 6,000 tanks and 70,000 troops at a battle in Russia somewhere. It was how did they get from a, a nation effort to create a democracy to, you know, to fascism, to Nazi, the Nazi party taking over. And a lot, you know, part of that was the, these militias, these, you know, the brown shirts and other groups of thugs that would break up, you know, opposing party meetings. Mm -hmm. And they would uh, appear at the polls and, and keep people from voting. And, and so if someone's worried about that, and then they see Trump, who downplayed this whole corona thing, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it, it's just the flu. Now he's got it, you know, and, and then the other side is saying, well, you know, the, the uh, policy is less important to a lot of those folks than just making me unhappy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're not worried about policy with respect to anything except maybe taxes, uh, abortion. But, you know, if, if we can make the liberals cry, we won. And so I'm not surprised a lot of people are going overboard on Twitter with the, you know, yeah, yeah you finally I, got I, it, he's sorry. There's definitely, there's definitely, I, I mean, we are in, in an age where, look, I, I mean, people will, uh, you know, wear shirts that say make the libs cry again or whatever, or own the libs, right? You see that uh, trending on Twitter. You'll also see, um, you know, uh, examples of, you know, where there's a proud boy, there is Antifa, um, right. where there, where there is, um, you know, maybe someone saying, uh, or maybe not feeling compassion towards the president. There's, there's also uh, people that will, you know, own a Trump supporter online. We are living in these two separate bubbles. Um, yeah, that's a true statement. Where we we only regurgitate or, you know, within each other's circles. And we don't have conversations like me and you were having. Right, uh, right. I think that's, you know, why our podcast was created, why Bering Drift presents such a platform is because, look, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. You're, you're a Democrat, but it's okay that we're talking I'm not going to shut you down. We're not going to do what happened at the debates. We're going to have an adult conversation. I think that is so important. Um, as we close out, um, what is a fun book you're reading? Third Reich seems a little heavy. What's a fun book you're reading and, a, and something you're watching and get your mind off things? Oh, my. Wow. Um, well, I'm a Star Trek guy. So, you know, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard. You watching Picard? Um, okay. Yeah, it's. It's uh, it's interesting, you know, watching the Star Trek universe go that direction. You know, we always laughed at it at, at the time travel episodes, and and now it's all about time travel in a way. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, I guess I don't really do a lot of of recreational reading, fiction reading. Uh, I do have a book of Steve Allen jokes that I look at from time to time. That's okay. You know, really old, you know, corny jokes that that are kind of fun. 
Uh, but I, I got interested in the Jack Reacher series a while back. If you've never read those, uh, you may have heard of the films. Yeah. There's two movies with Tom Cruise. Although right. in the book, he's like 6'3", and Tom Cruise yeah. is like 5'5", five, five, right? So Yeah, when, when I saw that, I said, you know, they should have gotten The Rock to be, to be yeah. Jack Reacher. The Rock would have been perfect for Jack Reacher, right? Uh, so I, I read those, and there's a new one. There's there's about a new one coming out every year, so I'll read that. Okay. Uh, but, but you know, when I read fiction, it's usually a, a spy thriller or a military thriller, that kind of thing. As far as TV, um, the big, I mean, I'm a sports guy. I watch the news. I watch sports. So I'm, you know, I went to, I got my degrees at Louisville after as I was retiring from the army because I was at Fort Knox. Okay. So I'm a Louisville fan. So watch Louisville football. Okay. I wanted to, I wanted to ding Matt because you know he's I know yeah guy. I know well that's yeah. uh, that's the thing he's he's off in hokey country right now and then, and they'll be and they'll be in Louisville on the thirty first. I'm a JMU guy, so I'm yeah. you know I went to JMU, so I'm very neutral and. Yeah, my my niece went to JMU. One of my nieces went to JMU, so okay. yeah, so you know very happy with that team. I mean their their football program is is very strong. Oh, yeah, but, you know, I, I I guess I, I mean what. TV, it's mostly science fiction. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in just about any kind of science fiction. Awesome. Yeah. Well, well, Stan, um, it was great having you on. Um, I hope to have you on again when Matt is here. I'd love to do that. Yeah, and anytime, come on. We are open to, like, you know, like I've said, we're open to discussing beyond our little social circle. Right. So. Well, it, it's, you know, you guys have sort of, in, in a way, inspired me. You know, I blog at a blog called Foggy Bottom Line. Okay. Um, I'm not very consistent, but if you want to get a sense of where my head is on things, uh, you can look at some of those posts. Um, and and you guys have gotten me thinking about doing a podcast on the Foggy oh. Bottom Line platform, well, right? I'm uh, glad. So when, when I do that, inspired. when I get around to doing that, I'll get I'll have you and Matt on, right? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and if you want to write for Bearing Drift, come on over. We'd love oh, to have okay. you. Okay. I'd, I'd <laughs> love to do a post on Bearing Drift. But, you know, really, Matt, Mike, I think you and Matt are doing a great job on this podcast. I've watched quite a bit of them since you had Cosm on and invited me. Uh, I think you do a pretty good job. Uh, I'd love to come back when Matt's going to be on uh, because I, I think, you know, I, I wanted to come on and talk about politics a little bit, talk about the veteran, the Compassion for Veterans plan. And get people, you know, on, on your side thinking about that, the Bearing Drift viewers. And of course, you can find out more about that at Cosm's website. But uh, you know, I think I think this is going to be a change election. Um, and you know, American American society is going through a lot of social change uh, as we come as we get deeper into the 21st century. And it's not surprising to me that a lot of people want to stop that change. And even I am, am a kind of okay with slowing it down, right? Let's, let's be methodical about this. I mean, yeah. we're going to have social change. We need to do something about racial justice and other social justice issues. We need to do something about, you know, racism in institutions like Absolutely. police departments and the military. We need to do and something about making sure we have to do sure something everyone. about keeping our institution, that constitution that you swore to protect, there's right. people that just want to rip it up and think, you know, it's almost arrogant to think that they could just build something from the ground up. We have to deal with what we have and build it up. That's right. And we have to, we have to do, we have to get to that social change in a methodical way that meets the requirements of that, those institutions and that constitution. Right. 
And so, you know, we got to be smart about this, but we're not going to stop it. Young people are not going to let us stop it, right? And, you know, marginalized people, if you marginalize them enough, they will fight. And history proves that that's true. And we don't want to be fighting amongst each other. We, no. you know, Ben Franklin, if we don't hang together, we're all going to hang separately. Yep. That's the way we have to think about these things. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, not let's let's hang together, not separately. Great Absolutely. having you on, Stan. Very nice to be here. Thanks to to you and to Matt and to all of your viewers. Uh, I hope the, the we've learned we've learned something about each other through this, and I'm looking forward to coming on again uh, if you'll have me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay.